0: Welcome to Fault Tolerant. In this episode, I talk with Arthur Paczynski about trading technical analysis and current market conditions. Nothing we say in this episode should be taken as financial advice. Hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for coming on the show today, Art. No problem. It's nice to be back. It's a little nostalgic, you know, being on the other side of the <laughs> the mic here. Yeah, for sure. I guess you <laughs> ran this show for a while. Yeah, you just uh, just the trading part, but I, I thoroughly enjoy your podcast, and uh, you know, you got the different topics, and I really enjoyed the one on money. Actually, that was a, oh, cool. Thank that you. Was pretty Thank cool. you. Yeah. yeah, it was
0: an experiment to do something totally solo like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. it was it was cool. Yeah, so today we're gonna talk about some market stuff. And I don't know anything about um, technical analysis, and that's kind of I think what you we're going to talk about, and that's kind of
1: what you've been interested in for a while. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not an expert by any means, right? I've just been doing my own kind of research, and I've been looking at different ideas, and uh, uh, mainly kind of um, these cyclical trends that Bitcoin likes to do. And um, the I kind of wanted to talk about uh, people think that uh, the Bitcoin market cycle is every four years however that's not really the case mm-hmm. um it seems to get longer and longer um as we go through these cycles so um it's interesting because i would have thought it would be shorter yeah no um it's actually quite the opposite um i guess uh, the first bull cycle was um a while back now is 47 weeks and then uh the next one was 129 weeks, and then the third one was 211 weeks. That's the length of the bull runs, the historic bull runs? Uh,
0: yes, mm-hmm. yes. So is that going back all the way to like 2010 or 11 or whatever?
1: Yes, yeah, so some, somewhere around there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't got the exact date here, but uh, mm-hmm. that's just some, some n- numbers I figured out anyways. Interesting. Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> so I guess to start off, I wanted to talk about a little bit um, about the, if you pull up the white chart I sent you there. Mm -hmm. It's kind of got the blue lines and a purple kind of a curved line. So uh, this is the weekly for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And uh, the blue lines represent, uh, I guess, a a log chart, right? It's kind of like, it follows a log scale. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that um, as far as back as you can see anyways and uh, you'll just have to take my word for it that uh, it does respect these lines but you can tell that um, these lines are respected and you can see right about at the top at the peak of the last bull market topped out about 20,000 matched up perfectly with the top uh, log line there and then uh, as we're coming down we don't know if we're actually going to hit the bottom of this blue line, uh, it's not expected, and I'll go into that a little. I'll go into that a little more. Mm-hmm. But um, it's been respecting this kind of trend, and so if we just kind of project that into the future, uh, I think the peak of the next bull market is expected um, in August of 2023. Hmm. Uh, and that's looking around 140,000. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, per Bitcoin. Yeah, per Bitcoin, which is, um, you know, it's uh, it's quite quite the statement to make. Yeah. And, <laughs> but uh, just based on the different ideas I've been looking at and whatnot, um, that's what's expected. So I guess we'll see. Um, I know myself, um, I'm kind of buying Bitcoin here and there. Uh, just kind of trying to dollar co- cost average as low as I can.
0: Yeah, yeah, and for people listening, the the charts that we're referencing will will be included in the show notes. Yeah, um, but what we're looking at right now is this, the, I guess it's Bitcoin data going back to June twenty seventeen shows the, the big rise that was preceded the last bull run, and then the decline to where we are now, and then there's a channel, uh, drawn around, this, uh this movement and it's kind of projecting upward on this log graph and i think follow extrapolating outward you get that that hundred and forty thousand yeah, dollars per bitcoin
1: 140 150 something like that um, right it'd be nice you know it'd be nice <laughs> G- given current price if you're buying it at current price to be a nice little investment
0: yeah that those would be
1: good returns for sure <laughs> um <clears throat> So yeah, that's a uh, one chart uh, I kind of had ready. Um, now, I, and in general, when we're looking at trading and stuff like that, you to see the bigger picture, you want to start on a long time frame, right? So each bar representing one week, and then uh, you know to get uh, more near term predictions, uh, you move down in the time frames. Mm-hmm. So um, if we look at, uh, let's see, let's look at the the next one I sent you there. With the two EMAs there, mm-hmm. you got the 50 exponential moving average and the 200 uh, exponential average. So it seems that Bitcoin, um, during the last bull market, it, for the most part, respected the, uh, the 50 EMA, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back from August, kind of all the way up to our high there. You know, it broke it a couple times, but it quickly recovered after, and it kind of just followed it, right?
0: So you mean when the price goes above the moving average? Right, right. Or or below?
1: Right, because uh, you can see, like, uh, of know, just before October. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure what exactly that would be. Let me just double check. Yeah, so around September 14th of 2017, uh, it kind of broke below this uh orange line being the 50 exponential moving average but then it quickly recovered and it you can see that if you had for example placed your buys right along this exponential moving average you would have caught some like pretty nice bottoms right like uh november 12th or something you would have caught that bottom uh you would have caught a pretty good bottom Right on December 22nd, although we were starting to go down there, but we did recover back up for quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> however, and then as we started to enter the bear market, you can see that although Bitcoin does break it, it kind of struggles to maintain above that. Or it kind of follows it, but it kind of struggles to maintain to stay above that exponential moving average. hmm. And then you have your blue line, which is your 200 exponential moving average. And as we kind of progress through the bear market, you could see that we're struggling to... We do break it, but we struggle to stay above it, and we come back down below it. And, you know, ever since uh, July of 2018, we kind of have stayed below it, right? As well as the 50 EMA, right? It's kind of just the if the price is
0: declining at a fast enough rate then you would have the price always below your exponential moving average.
1: Right, cuz uh the the way the exponential moving averages work is um so you have your simple moving averages and your exponentials, right? And so the more recent price action has more weight on this trend line, right? Right. In the, in the case of exponential it's weighted to more recent
0: price action. Exactly. Okay. Right. But in e- in either case if if you're below some moving average, that would just indicates that you're like your the price has fallen sort of at a certain clip mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah
1: okay And uh, another thing that you um, that a lot of anal- technical analysis look at um, is the crosses of these two lines, right? So you can see that um, uh, April of 2018 uh, end of March beginning of April, 2018 uh you had the uh the 50 cross below the 200 Mm -hmm. and that's a bearish signal meaning that we're going down right um referred to as a death cross uh it's kind of like a loss of momentum exactly right and so you can see that that played out uh, if you had taken maybe a, a short there or we did come back up but i mean if you had taken a short or um started to sell off your bitcoin there you would have been in the long run okay right Mm -hmm. um yeah and so if we're looking at price currently it's kind of sitting above the 50 but below the 200 and so this is kind of a bullish signal um there's some other indicators that we could look at to kind of reinforce this idea but we broke above the 50 and we're kind of like playing off it, right? And so the what we're expecting to see is just a lot of sideways movement uh probably for the rest of the year, I'd say, uh in between these two lines, right? Like we're going to probably bounce up to 46, 47, come back down and kind of bounce and it's what we would call consolidation, right? Mm. Um so that's on the moving averages now if um you open up your trading view mm-hmm. to where you have uh, your ichimoku cloud and whatnot and for anyone that's uh, listened to my trade talk before uh, i'm a huge fan of ichimoku cloud it kind of uh gives you just a clear picture of what to expect and what's happening and if you follow the rules religiously then you're pretty you're looking pretty good right uh so just to give a quick kind of uh, recap of what it is, is you have this kind of cloud-looking thing. And so a green cloud means that it's bullish. A red cloud means that it's bearish. Uh, you have these two moving averages, which you look for the crosses between the two to indicate if you know a new trend is starting or not. And to kind of highlight this, if you look back in January of uh, 2018, uh, you can see where the blue line, which is the faster moving average, crosses below the red line, which is the slower moving average.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So <clears throat> you can see that that's a bearish signal. And sure enough, we went down quite a ways there. And you want to you wanna use this in conjunction when you're looking for bullish momentum and bullish signals. You want to use this in conjunction with... Uh, This kind of green line, which is the lagging span, which is literally just a copy of price, but it's just like moved back to, I think, 20 bars or something like that. And so you can see that the cloud twisted from green to red, uh, meaning that we're entering a bear market. You had these lines cross. You had the blue line being what they call the Tenkin cross below the Kijin, which is the red line, slower moving average, and the cloud cross red, so we're kind of in a bear market, right? And you can see that we kind of failed to break out of this cloud, and we kind of just stayed below it or in it for, you know, the rest of the time up until now. Mm -hmm. Um, So also what you kind of want to look for is... And why I think the market has bottomed now is if you look at the most recent cloud depiction here, you can see that we do have a nice thick red cloud. However, uh, it looks like it's crossing over into a green. If you can see that little, uh, yeah, this little speck of green there. Yeah. So, and then also you had the faster moving average, the Tenkin cross above the Kijun. And um, so y- you can you can relate these to um, the EMA's crossing as well, right? Uh, and so typically when you're looking at Ichimoku cloud, what you're looking for is you want the cloud to be twisting green. You want price to break out of the cloud. And you also want this bullish cross. And you also want lagging span, which is that green line following price to be above the cloud. So right now, um, if you're doing strictly Ichimoku cloud trading, then this is a no trade zone. Anytime you're in the cloud, it's kind of neutral. We don't know where price is going to go. So as I mentioned before, uh, the 200 EMA is around 4,700 currently. And you can see that um, the cloud as well is kind of like in this kind of price range, 47, 4800. So really what we're looking for is we want price to break up above and stay above and stay above long enough so that the lagging span can catch up and also be above the cloud. Right. And there's a whole bunch of calculations behind it, but um, I just like it because it's it, it paints a picture, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, if you want to be a little bit of a more risk taker, you could say, okay, well, there's something called this edge to edge, which is literally when the price enters the cloud and stays in the cloud. Well, then it's it's expected that it's going to reach the other edge of the cloud at some point when we don't know. Yeah, but it might. Right. And so, yeah, so we kind of have like a couple of bullish signals. I mean, price hasn't broken out of cloud yet however it's expected to if we kind of keep this sideways momentum happening then um it's a good time to buy some bitcoin you know just within these kind of price ranges Mm -hmm. right Uh, is there anything on your mind i know i kind of um kind of ran through that (laughs) probably hard to follow yeah,
0: uh, I mean, I I def- I definitely haven't done much technical analysis or looking at it. I should maybe put on the skeptic hat. And, uh, like, my kind of view of technical analysis is I feel like there, m- there's maybe some useful... Like, if you look at the market activity, it's kind of like a group psychology phenomena. Mm-hmm. You've got a whole bunch of people and... The people are looking at charts, at least to some degree. They're looking at price, at least, and price history, mm-hmm. and they're making their decisions based on a bunch of different factors. But included in that is the the price history. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you could you could like infer some kind of group psychology, like when price is approaching a previous high. Obviously, everyone's aware of that. Mm-hmm. So I could see some group psychology pl- playing into that, like. Okay, we're going to try to break the previous high, or we're gonna sell because this is the previous high, and there's some psychological significance there mm-hmm. So I think I'm just I'm kind of undecided on how useful I think um, technical analysis is. I do think like I don't think you can you could ever expect it to work really perfectly or algorithmically because if it did, then people would exploit that and. The edge you had would go away, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, you know, and and given that uh, crypto market is so unregulated, um, you might even have uh, people that are looking at indicators. You know, you got a big group of people expecting something to happen based on technical analysis. Well, then they just make it go the other way, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like if you can, if you can, if you can expect that the group's going to do a certain thing,
0: then you should be able to make money off that and therefore like make that thing not happen
1: right yeah but you gotta have the capital for that too right for sure um Um, i know when i was doing my trade talk uh, a couple months back now uh, i know i was uh, a big believer in the whole six thousand dollar support and uh (laughs) obviously you know that uh that didn't quite happen and as soon as it broke that support obviously mass psychology came into play and everybody just started selling it off and it brought it all the way down to Three thousand, right? Like Bitcoin lost thirty or fifty percent of its value. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that being said, I mean,
0: yeah, I'm I'm sort of undecided on on how much I think of how much I think technical analysis, like how useful it is. I'm undecided. I'm I'm not convinced that it's there's no utility in it. Um, like I said, I think I think markets can behave in some sense, in some predictable manner, mm-hmm. like a little bit. But I don't know. I think that that your ability to predict what's going to happen just kind of vanishes the moment you identify something, right? Because it just gets it gets like eaten away at by the traders in the market.
1: Yeah, and so I think the main point here is is to kind of try and spot the trend, right? Um, so if if you're looking at you know back all the way in December and the trend is that hey, from December. It fell from 20,000 to beginning of February. It fell down to, you know, 6,000. It's like, you know, that's that's not a very good indicator, right? Uh, it's, it's showing you that, hey, you know, like there's not much faith in Bitcoin right now. And so if you'd kind of stuck to your initial gut feeling that like, hey, the market's going down, well, you would have been right in that sense coming all the way to uh november of 2018 when it dropped to 3,000, right Mm -hmm. but i feel like if you can if you can spot the trend and if if use technical analysis to kind of reinforce your idea that hey a new trend has started i think it can help in that sense catching the exact bottom or the exact top i don't know if technical analysis will help you there right that's kind of more of a guessing game yeah so, but but that's why I like Ichimoku, right? Because like maybe now people are saying, "Hey, it's the bottom." Hey, it's the bottom. Well, the cloud is telling you that, "Hey, you shouldn't be buying Bitcoin until we see, you know, probably um, four factors that Ichimoku takes into account, which is price breaking above forty-eight hundred, staying above forty-eight hundred, the lines crossing over into bullish, and uh, the lagging span being above cloud, which just means that price has stayed above." A certain point long enough right so like at that point maybe you'd be like all right well now i think a new trend has started so maybe i'll start buying up some bitcoin right mm-hmm. yeah i think it's a it's a
0: potentially a useful tool to have i wouldn't i don't know i'd be interested to see if i think there are some traders who can make reliable returns purely using ta i've heard of that i'm not Certain those people exist, and I would wonder whether, you know, if you take, if you take a large group of people, like a very large group of people, and they just do random stuff, you can, you'll always be able to pick out like one person who's done really well. Like if you take coin tosses, and you just had thousands of people who are just guessing, you do a hundred coin tosses, you'll be able to find someone who was right like ninety percent of the time. Oh yeah, just because there was a huge number and everyone was doing random stuff. But so I, I don't know if the people who are like, I don't know how you would exactly determine whether uh, like how reliable the TA is. But that being said, I think it's maybe potentially a useful tool to have like in addition to other kinds of analyses Mm -hmm. that you can do like fundamentals and whatever else. And then maybe you also look at the markets and you look at some of these indicators and that's just my, my, My intuition on it
1: yeah no for sure and that's a that's a really smart way to look at it I think because um that's the thing I look at all these kind kinds of ideas and stuff um and people you know different chart patterns this and that and that and Mm -hmm. that right and you know one guy will be right one time and the other guy will be right the other time right it's kind of just like well okay well at that it was kind of like a 50 50 right yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah um so have you traded much on Actual, like,
0: have you traded purely on technical analysis much?
1: I have, yeah, I have, and um, so I mean, back before we broke below uh 6,000, and you know, the cloud was saying that I shouldn't be going long uh around 6,000, right? But I just had this strong belief that Bitcoin would never <laughs> fall from um, yeah. below 6,000, right? So, um, yeah. So I kind of I was kind of buying it at 6000 and then it broke and I'm like oh well you know I should have known that like there mm-hmm. was no real bullish signal happening right so you went against the technical analysis Exactly <laughs> and that was that's just a hard lesson I learned right <laughs> yeah. Um so now I'm trying to be uh more religious right Like like I said I I am buying up Bitcoin at this price a little bit at a time mm. However I really shouldn't be until uh 4,800, but I was thinking that, okay, well, I'll try and stack up some Bitcoin now. And then when I'm talking about margin trading, uh, maybe I'll go long, uh, once these technical indicators line up. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, um, another thing, I guess you kind of look at, um, just kind of, kind of, uh, it's, it's pretty reliable when it comes to Bitcoin is, um, the, the, the RSI. Okay. And, um, Mm -hmm. So I guess you can see like uh, with the RSI, you have like these bounds, right? Uh, I think the top bound is 70 and the bottom bound is 30. Mm -hmm. So pretty much it's just um, showing uh, overbought or oversold levels. So if price decreases really fast, then it's going to be oversold. As you can see uh, in the market dump of November down to 3000, it was very, very oversold, right? And so that being said, though, you can see that price did decrease further after that, even though the RSI came back into this kind, into these bounds, right? And so like the the basic idea is what you want to do is you want to buy when it's oversold and sell when it's overbought, right? But obviously that's way too simple and the market doesn't always react that way. Mm -hmm. So what you want to be doing more with the RSI which I found to be way more accurate is uh what you want to look is for divergences in price because you can see that uh the RSI kind of mimics price to to a certain extent right and so what you want to look for is if if price for example makes a higher high at two points so you got makes a high and then it makes a higher high however the RSI makes a high and then makes a lower high well, then that's called a divergence, right? And that's showing you that, hey, uh, the buying power is kind of getting exhausted and you should consider selling. And the opposite happens uh, for buying too, right? If price makes a lower low, but RSI makes a higher low, well, then that means, you know, the bulls are coming back into play and like maybe you should right. consider buying some, right? Or going long or whatever you're doing with it, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, is there any more questions? Uh, um, I'm not too sure. I don't have a. I don't have enough of a really
0: good knowledge of TA to really make any intelligent technical analysis questions. Um, I know in, in terms of just price, I've definitely felt like Ether has been a killer deal for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like I think these prices are extremely low uh, for Ether, but that's based more on just fundamental stuff rather than technical analysis. Um, I think I think the decentralized finance movement, which I talk about all the time, I think that's shaping up really nicely. There's a bunch of awesome projects being built and that are already built. And there's an entire ecosystem that's starting to mature and develop in that area. Um, I think the decentralized finance movement is, I think that the the next bull run could be uh led by that that thing, decentralized finance mm-hmm. um, I also think decentralized finance could be the next like it could bring crypto to the next level of adoption because so far, all we've really had was money, mm-hmm. you know like crypto that functions as money, and a couple you know things like crypto kitties, which is a little flash in the pan, uh not enough. It drove a little bit of attention but it wasn't enough to drive lasting adoption because people used it for a bit and then it went away. Mm -hmm. But I think something like decentralized finance is actually, it does something more than just, it does something that crypto hasn't done before. It's offering something more than just money, like more than just pure, simple money. It's these additional financial uh, mechanisms and primitives and offering them in this permissionless open way where you you don't need to even have ID to get a loan Mm-hmm. If you fully collateralize it, mm-hmm. but I think that that developing um, you know ecosystem of decentralized finance, I think as it matures could drive the next wave of adoption. Okay, and that's just not based on technical analysis, but just looking at the you know the technology
1: that's being built. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you sent me this uh, this uh, Reddit post yeah with Ethereum, some technical analysis, and this guy's claiming that there's a, gonna be a breakout on april twenty fourth.
0: Yeah, so people who are familiar with eth Trader will probably know this one. This is Science Guy, I think his his handle is. And again, I don't know how I don't take like what some random person on Reddit says I don't put too much weight on it, but uh the Reddit community is all excited when Science Guy came and posted some technical analysis. Indicating that Yeah, on the 24th. Yeah, April 24th according to his charts the Ethereum will uh, break out of this bear trend and The target that he put up was to $2,000 per ether
1: and uh, Crazy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so obviously we'll see what happens, but uh, the reddit community was pretty excited about this and there was some criticism I looked a little bit of the post history Apparently, he. There's people that say, oh, he's got this really good track record. And then there's also some controversy where he was deleting some old posts where the, the post, <laughs> he was deleting the ones where he made bad calls. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be why the track record looks really good. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think, I mean, we probably would agree. I think most crypto people would agree that I think that there. A bull run is imminent at some point.
1: At some point,
0: because I th- I see this stuff going way more mainstream than it is now.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely, right? There's so much doubt right now, but uh, you know, as uh, Warren Buffett would say, you know, you buy when there's blood in the streets, kind of thing, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. It's funny too. I was talking to uh, I don't remember if this was a family member or someone recently, but when things were booming in uh, the last you know crazy bull run when ETH was like fourteen hundred bucks, yeah, everybody wanted to buy. And everyone, I had you know, lots of different people I know, saying like, "Oh, I want to buy, I want to buy, I want to buy." And the for the previous the year before that, I had been talking about Ethereum like a crazy person mm-hmm. all the time, saying like, "This is going to be crazy. This is going to be huge. You know, you should buy." And then no one wanted to buy until it's fourteen hundred <laughs> bucks, and then some people buy, and of course it dies, it crashes, yeah. and now we're down at this killer hundred dollar ETH practically level mm-hmm. and it's like if i had any money i'd be buying yeah, and, but totally. nobody nobody wants to buy now yeah all no, those all those people are like yeah no i'm not interested i'm like this is
1: the opposite of how you should be exactly should be exactly right and um <laughs> yeah it's funny how that works <laughs> yeah, eh? yeah. um yeah so i mean uh i just actually pulled up ethereum real quick on the um, on trading view and uh if you type in ETHUSD uh as well you can see it and um, I'm just kind of trying to coincide my technicals here with um, with what Science Guy is expecting here. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it looks pretty good, you know. Like price isn't very far from the top of the the Ichimoku cloud here. Like it's sitting currently at 135. The top of the cloud is 154 ish. hmm So I mean, really, uh, I'm kind of interested to see if once price breaks out of the cloud which is what i believe to be a bullish indicator then uh you know if it if it starts to reach these heights that um science guy is hoping for yeah so um but it's looking pretty good right now honestly Mm -hmm. um but i guess i guess we'll wait and see and maybe uh we can do a podcast in a few weeks and kind of follow up on all these ideas see how they played out
0: yeah for sure it's a good way to be somewhat scientific about it Mm -hmm. um yeah, Ether. Yeah, it's it's definitely been, like I think these are really low levels, you know. E- the entire market cap of Ethereum is like fourteen billion right now. Yeah. Which is a steal. Man, yeah. There's people who could buy that whole thing right up. <laughs> <laughs> I know I would be if I had a few billion laying around. Yeah, no doubt. But um. The goal is
1: to get there, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And I another thing I I'm working on a project right now. Just last week I did like a little hackathon to build a uh, an Ethereum like a site that would aggregate a bunch of Ethereum statistics, Mm -hmm. like the Ethereum economy and the decentralized finance statistics. And one of the things I wanted to find out was what the market cap of all of the ERC-20 tokens was Mm -hmm. on top of Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And I found it to be like about 10 billion. Okay, so 24 billion total
1: with Ethereum and yeah. Yeah, Okay.
0: And what I find interesting about that is just based on my intuition, that seems the fact that the tokens built just the tokens and uh, yeah market you could argue that market cap is kind of a it's questionable how real that is right because a lot of these have no liquidity Mm -hmm. like there's no market depth at all right so they might say they have whatever a billion dollar market cap for a certain token and really you know you couldn't get a billion dollars out of it but the fact that you have a platform where the the native token's 14 billion market cap and then just tokens on top never mind other kinds of economic activity and lending and all this other stuff just the tokens on top is almost equal yeah. to the native token that seems a little skewed like just intuition tells me that i would expect the native token to be like i don't know 5 to 1 compared yeah. to something like it just seems like the to- the tokens be on top being almost equal to the the native token seems off so I, th- I feel like eth is undervalued, and that's another signal that I'm gonna use to reinforce my pre-existing. idea. There you go idea yeah, that's uh
1: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good way to look at it i uh I didn't know that fact, so uh maybe I'll start buying up some eth a little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of eth uh, I yeah. don't know. do you think that Bitcoin will I don't know because I've heard these theories that uh Bitcoin is gonna be more of like your gold equivalent and maybe there's gonna be something else, whether it be Ethereum or something else that's kind of more like your day to day. Cash use. Do you think that's gonna be the case or what do you think? No,
0: I don't think so No, uh, I th- there's some good I think multi coin capital I have these th- this stuff written down somewhere, but I think it was multi coin capital that that uh, Argued against that idea uh, And I, I definitely agree. I don't think there's any reason you would have a cryptocurrency. That's like Gold and then a cryptocurrency that's like cash I don't see any reason why you would have two different cryptocurrencies that exist in that kind of relationship for a long time. You know, you might have a period of time like right now where we have, we have Ethereum and Bitcoin that are both sort of functioning like money, different kinds of money. Bitcoin is functioning like this long-term store of value, I guess. And Ethereum is being, I guess you could say it's more day-to-day use, mm-hmm. although I'm not hundred percent sure about that, but I don't think that's sustainable. I can't imagine why you would have two different currencies like they're they're just ledgers at the end of the day. (laughs) So it like it it makes sense in the physical world where gold has different physical properties than other materials. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Yeah I can I can see the argument for fiat currency existing as day to day use because it's enforced by the government and you know it's it's convenient it's it's easy to handle it's easy to divide etc that functions as cash and then maybe you use gold as a long-term store value because it can't be inflated to the degree that fiat can Mm -hmm. you can't just print more and it has some use in jewelry and industry and etc etc so in the old world or with different materials that have different physical properties i can see that there being two different monies that served kind of two different purposes but in the digital crypto world they're just digital ledgers and Bitcoin, I don't see, I don't really see how one blockchain could h- have a different set of properties over a long period of time that differentiates it enough from the other one, like having two of them, you know, persisting at the same time. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think what I expect to happen is that the market uh, converges on whatever, because all of these digital ledgers can do the same thing of holding a number next to your account number Mm -hmm. and allowing you to transfer value. Like that's all that Bitcoin really does Mm -hmm. uh, essentially. Um, And all of the digital ledgers can do that. So I think as soon as you get, as soon as the market can decide which one is the most secure, like as soon as there's some uh, convergence on which one is the most secure, which one's the easiest to use, which one's the fastest, uh, I think we'll see a convergence on one of them serving as money. There's some assumptions built in there, like we're. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that that there will be some convergence of security, right? Like right now, people would argue that Bitcoin is more secure because it has. And I I would agree just based purely on hash power. It's it's more secure because it, it costs more money to attack it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just I think that's an artifact of us being really early uh, as as things mature, like as proof of stake matures either proof of stake works as advertised and if that happens then i think it wins over proof of work i don't see how proof of work can continue existing if proof of stake functions as we expect Mm as as advertised or proof of stake fails and then i would expect i guess proof of work to to reign
1: supreme yeah i don't know it's kind of like uh the old way of doing it it seems like now proof of work you know
0: it feels that way
1: it feels that way but it does remain to be seen and i'm
0: i'm happy to be you know proven wrong and i'm (laughs) sure i will be in lots of different ways but
1: i guess we'll see but um yeah in, in in my own view um i think you know and this is obviously based purely on technicals until um that first white chart that we were looking at until bitcoin fails that bottom trend line I think I'm going to remain bullish on it. But, yeah, um, yeah. and and you know if it is bullish then Ethereum's going to be close behind, right? So I think we we both win in that yeah. case. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And I mean I'm short term, long term based on fundamentals, I'm I'm personally betting uh 100% on Ethereum and 0 on Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, but short term, you know, I could easily see uh f- you know, for the rest of this year maybe Bitcoin Bitcoin does really well. I could easily see Bitcoin going to 20 grand or 30 grand or 40 grand Um, it's just, on the shorter timescales. I have no idea longer timescales. I have some I have a leaning Um, but we shall see we shall see we
1: shall definitely see.
0: Yeah Um, all right. Yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about art?
1: Yeah, no, uh, I hope I explained everything uh, as clearly as I could. Um, uh, I I hope I hope you learned a little bit and um I hope our listeners here uh, learned a little bit. Uh, uh, but I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I feel like the markets hit its bottom, you know, within a certain range. Uh, we shall see. I kind of outlined my reasons for that. But um, we'll see. And maybe we can meet up in uh, a month or a couple weeks or whatever and uh, follow up on some of these ideas and see where everything's going. And uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, awesome. Sounds good okay so thank you for listening please rate and subscribe if you have any feedback or any ideas on show topics email us at faulttolerant at you can follow us on instagram at membrane labs uh art do you have a twitter or anything you want i do not You want to shill no okay Nah, that's fine yeah i'll just shill mine again i'm at like almost 225 followers Hey, <laughs> okay, right on <laughs> yeah <there. laughs> i'm not quite a thought leader not yet um it's jordan mmck uh, I actually don't like never tweet. So that's, that's probably part of it.
1: Um, yeah. I'm not a big Twitter fan.
0: Yeah. Myself. But. I find it extremely useful, but just passively, there's lots of good content on there. Mm-hmm. I don't need to add, I don't have much too much to add at this point. Uh, yeah. We have another podcast as well called off key that my coworker Lensa does. It's a music podcast and it's getting some, some crazy traction. So you should check it out. And Offkey key and Fault Tolerant are produced by Membran Entertainment Canada. We're a music services and distribution company, and we're exploring blockchain tech. And if you're in Victoria, we rent out the, the recording studio here. We have some rates on MembranLabs.com. Um, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.